Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone, and live from Kenny Britt's attorney's office, it's the 4th and Inches Show with your hosts, Jana Kimmel and Scott Swainey, a.k.a. The Sherpa. We're from FantasyFootballSherpa.com, and Jana, by process of elimination, I must be the Sherpa because I'm not you. So, Jana, how are you this evening? How was your, how was your off-season? Oh, it was full of all kinds of Kenny Britt fun, as usual. <laughs> yeah. And tonight, we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Allie Fontana from thebrunoboys.net. And Allie, do you want to say hi? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Scott. Yep. Hi, Jana. Hi, everyone. Um, as they said, I'm Allie Fontana with Bruno Boys Fantasy Football, and uh, I work as the managing editor there, um, overseeing our content, working closely with our writers, and um, also uh, handling player news. You know, you name it, we, you know, like so many people in fantasy football, you run, you sort of do a little bit of everything, and and um, I've been with the site for two years now. So oh, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So now tell us a little bit, last year, Bruno Boys, you guys won a very prestigious um, contest that the Fantasy Sports Trade Association ran. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, I mean, you know how the chat rankings are always, uh, you know, kind of, uh, there's a little bit of luck thrown in with everything in addition to your analysis. But I guess we won the accuracy challenge uh, for our preseason rankings. And um, that was really, you know, I mean, we were all very happy. It's it's hard to repeat, and it's hard to, I think, uh, win even one time. So, <laughs> it's very impressive. Did you guys have any special end zone dance you did or anything like that? No, <laughs> no end zone dance that I recall. But uh, I think it's just okay. kind of looking and say, how do we bottle it and, and you know attempt to repeat it this year. Which will probably well, be a Dio, little more challenging. Dio is on is on the shelf right now. I'm sure you guys could bring him in and <laughs> and he could help you work one out. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> All right. So. so, how can people find you on the? How can people get in touch with uh, you and the Bruno Boys crew? What, what's your What's the best way to get in touch with you? What's your website URL and how else can people get in touch with you? Well, our website is, you know, www.brunoboys.net. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at, at @brunoboys, and I'm also on Twitter at, at Allie Fontana, and uh, email afontana at brunoboys.net. So we're we're in all the you know usual suspects: um, email, website, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, we're there. Cool. And now you also have a blog talk radio show, is that correct? We do. Uh, Sunday morning uh, from 10 to 11, um, Mark Cavillia, who's the owner of Bruno Boys, and I do a show called Bruno Boys Fantasy Gridiron Live. And uh, we're actually looking at perhaps doing a second show during the week um, because we thought it might be interesting to talk about things other than Lineup decisions, which you know are so so important on a on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. before kickoff. So, I yeah, kinda, I would definitely, you know, I would definitely advise against doing a show in the middle of the week, wouldn't you, Jenna? Uh, yeah, Wednesday nights are terrible. Well, yeah, I especially at this time. Run at nine thirty to ten thirty. <laughs> no, that that time slot is cursed. So, so, alrighty. Well, why don't we get into it, Jenna? Why don't you tell people a little bit about our show and how people can follow along with us uh, during the week and in the months ahead? As I'm sure everybody is dying to have access to us 24-7 because one hour is just not enough. (laughs) You can find us all week long on FantasyFootballSherpa.com. There's all kinds of great projections. There are new articles going up all the time, and sometimes Scott and I even debate over there. So there's always cool stuff happening there, and you can email us, you can tweet us, you can find us on Facebook. We're all over the place. Um, Feel free to email us and tweet us during the show. They're both under the same handle. It's the number 4, T-H-N, Inches Show. That's our Twitter handle as well as our email handle, the number 4, T-H-N, Inches Show, at gmail.com. 
We're checking it constantly. We also have a chat room up going on the site right now, so you can come in and chat with uh, with us there as well. Allie's also on, so you can get all of us in one spot. Uh, you can also call in and talk to us while we're on air. We're here till 11 tonight at 347-677-1608. And as Scott alluded to, normally we're here from 9.30 to 10.30 tonight. There were some technical difficulties, so you've got us for an extra half hour. <laughs> so, um, Allie, just one quick thing before we begin. I'm, I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious. I can guess, but why don't you tell us how you came up with the name Bruno Boys? How did that come about? Well, um, I can't take any credit for that, but that was founded by uh, – well, the site was uh, founded by Mark Cavilia, um, and he grew up in an area called San Bruno, California, so uh, that was the Bruno part of that. And originally, um, you know, he and, and another uh, longtime friend of his started the site uh, back in 2005, so uh, oh. hence the name Bruno Boys. That now there's a girl, so, but we still call the Bruno boys. <laughs> yeah, Bruno guys and girls doesn't have quite the same, uh, or Bruno guys and women doesn't have quite the same ring to it. True. No, I, I'm but, perfectly happy being one of the boys. Okay, <laughs> so now speaking of the boys, Jana is a very big fan of the Cowboys. That's her team. Now, so we have this little uh, three-way NFC East rivalry going here tonight because Uh-oh. I'm a big Giants fan, and I understand, <laughs> Allie, that um, my condolences. You're a big Eagles fan. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's condolences. I think we've well, done how many well Super the last Bowls have the Eagles won? Oh, I know, but they're gritty and tough, and and you know when you're an Eagles fan, you know you're an Eagles fan for life. Like uh, you know, that's true. I have been living in Philadelphia. I understand that. My whole family is Eagles fans. They live outside of Philadelphia, so I, I know that very, very well. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. haven't, I haven't lived in Philly in ages, but, you know, I still bleed green, as they say. So who's oh. going to be the most valuable fantasy <laughs> performer on the Eagles this year? Is it going to be Deshaun Jackson, Michael Vick, LaShawn McCoy, somebody completely different? Who Who do you like most from the Eagles this year, fantasy-wise? Well, I mean, you know, Vic has uh, a tremendous amount of, you know, potential. I mean, I, I, you know, when you look at terms of where it might rank him, I think, you know, he has it's a double-edged sword if he stays healthy and and kind of plays the way he played uh, the majority of of last season. You know, I think we we could look at you know some phenomenal numbers. I really do like Lashawn McCoy's potential this year to be more involved in the offense and, and, you know, to be one of those players that, you know, might might surprise us. I mean, I think a lot of people are projecting him high, but I think he has a nice feeling that, that you know, could, could be higher than we're thinking, depending on, you know, how integrated he is in the offense. I That's unfortunately sure. can agree with all of that. <laughs> okay, but none of those guys are on the Cowboys, Janice. So you tell us who's the who's the Cowboys' uh, most valuable fantasy performer going to be this year? I think every year you've got to go with Jason Wynn. He's just a huge standby. Every year he and Tony Romo have this amazing chemistry. He plays through every injury, so he doesn't miss a lot of time. Uh there are a bunch of wide receivers who are not mailing engagement rings to pageant winners uh, like Roy Williams is. We've got guys like Miles Austin out there who are phenomenal year in and year out. Tony Romo puts up good fantasy numbers. It's just a matter of if he can stay on the field. He hasn't been great at that of late. So if I had to pick one guy, I'd probably go Jason Witten. There's a whole plethora of running backs like Felix Jones and Marion Barber and Shard Choice. You could take a long look at, though, too. Okay, and for the Giants, I'm going to go with Hakeem Nix. I mean, it's it's not too tough a choice since we don't know if Steve Smith will be back or Ahmad Bradshaw will be back. So all we have to choose from at this point is, you know, among is Brandon Jacobs and Eli Manning. And Eli, unfortunately, does all the good he does offensively with all the turnovers and interceptions. So there's not much to talk about there. But So anyway, there's 29 other teams that we could possibly talk about, even if we don't know who's going to be playing for them yet this season. So why don't we get going then? Now, first question for tonight, um, are either of you doing any drafts before the, the uh, lockout is settled or no? Uh, for a lead or just as 
for a league or just as you know a, yeah, a mock? Yeah, for for a league for keeps, not for a mock, but for something no, that you would no. actually play out. Okay, oh, Janet. Not. <laughs> uh, I'm steering very clear of it. I I'm gonna wait as long as possible <laughs> to draft anywhere. Yeah, I had one about a month ago, and it was it was pretty pointless, I thought. But so now, just in case there are a few diehards out there that are jonesing to have a draft before the the lockout gets settled, here's a couple questions. Here's a couple things that I said in a recent blog post. So just tell me quickly whether you agree or not. My first suggestion was draft running backs sooner than you would in a normal season, and the quarterbacks and wide receivers later than you normally would. Agree, disagree, or or no comments? Allie? Um, I agree in principle, except that I think you could make a case uh, for if if you were, were looking for maybe one of the top quarterbacks, you might you might want to pull the trigger on somebody that you, you might maybe one of the top five just to um, – because there'll be a point differential that you know you'll you'll get from somebody of that that caliber. I, I just think uh, from la- based on last year, I found my success in leagues depended on my quarterback, um, and, and if I had Arian Foster. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that seemed true. to <laughs> determine a lot of people's success last year. Um, Jenna, what do you think about uh, drafting quarterbacks and wide receivers later than you normally would? Good idea, bad idea. What do you think? I, I, I would say maybe with rookies I'd go draft a little differently than I normally would. But for me, I'm still gonna go with my my regular draft positions for quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs. I don't I don't think I'm gonna drastically change how I'm doing things just because there's still a lockout. I mean, I still know what veterans and established players what they're capable of doing, and that's kind of what I'm drafting off of. Obviously, there are some guys who are on troubled teams and in bad situations you would draft differently, but overall I'd draft pretty similar, I think. Well, I think my my thinking in saying that was that I thought, you know, just because there are going to be so many free agent signings and there are going to be so many quarterbacks playing with receivers that they haven't had time to build any you know, chemistry with that I just thought maybe for the first few weeks of the season that the defenses might have an advantage over the offenses and therefore the timing might be off a little bit, but uh, we'll see if that plays out or not. So this this next one, um, favor players in stable situations, and by stable situation I meant a situation in which the head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback, and the key running backs and receivers from last season are all back this season. Um, does that make sense, or, or would you, again, just – say that that doesn't matter so much. Um, Jenna, why don't you start this one? Uh, I agree a thousand percent with that. (laughs) Even when there's not a lockout, I don't like drafting guys who are in a lot of transition on their teams. But this year, especially teams with new head coaches and coordinators and with quarterback issues, I'm going to stay far away from those. Okay. Ali, how about you? Do you care whether the guy's in a stable situation any more so than you would in a normal year or no? Well, I do. I mean, I think Janice summed it up very well, and I, I do agree with the point, too. I think I think this year stability, um, you know, particularly in the early rounds when you're building your core team, you know, maybe once you get past the seventh or eighth round, you can – maybe take a chance on some players in the later rounds that, that might, you know, be uh, sort of a sleeper or somebody in a situation that, mm-hmm. you know, just happens to click. But I think when you're building your core team, stability this season is is probably more important um, than ever. And, and I still like to take that philosophy anyway. So. so, in other words, I was being adult then last year when I was picking someone like Ryan Matthews in the second or third round. Would you not draft a rookie that high? <laughs> Well, he or was, was it just Ryan Matthews? Team. That seemed like such a perfect setup for him last year, and something went horribly wrong. But what's what's your take on drafting rookies that early, especially at running back? Well, I mean, I think Ryan Matthews was the highest-ranked rookie that I had last year in my preseason rankings, and I actually had him on, on two fantasy teams. 
and I think he was a good. I mean, it was a reasoned risk last year. I think it mm-hmm. it made sense in you know the Chargers environment, North Turner, the whole thing, his talent, what he was looking to do. Um, you know, I think that if you looked at how he played in the games in which he played, I think he played uh, better than than perhaps people who drafted him. <laughs> we're willing to accept, you know, because we mm-hmm. maybe expectations were higher. But I think um, I think that he could be a surprise this year, and hopefully some folks that we draft with will undervalue him a little, so we'll still be able to grab him, you know, in a good spot. Um, so yeah, I, I do yeah. think – sorry. No, go ahead. No, I, I just think I, – I think he was, a, you know, a lot of, of fantasy experts uh, – thought highly of Ryan Matthews last year. Um, he, like I said, I I didn't rank others as high, and most uh, really turned out not to be quite, you know, where they were drafted, especially when you're looking at drafting them over, you know, a proven guy. Like I remember C.J. Spiller going off the board early right. in a lot of drafts I was on, and, and even Javid Best, who right. in the PPR environment proved to be okay, but, you know, the injuries and that, that um, you know, maybe he didn't deliver based on where he was drafted. So Yeah, and the guy that, that probably did the best or the rookies that did the best last year were the with Garrett Blunts and the Chris Ivories of the world who, you know, nobody except, you know, in a really, really deep league would have uh, picked on draft day, but uh, be that as it may. So let's move on to the next one then. and. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in the same vein as the previous point, but my next uh, suggestion was to avoid returning players with an uncertain situation at quarterback, and I used Arizona, Minnesota, Seattle, Tennessee, and Washington as teams that fit that description. Uh, Would you bump their skill position guys down a bit at all, or does that not matter so much to you that the quarterback is still up in the air? Allie, why don't you start? Well, I think that you look at the talent. I mean, Arizona and Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, even with the instability at quarterback last season, and even though he had a slow start and, and, you know, drove his owners crazy at times, he still finished with um, more than respectable numbers given the situation. Now, you know, maybe if somebody – picked him in round one late, they might have been frustrated. But, uh, you know, I think he's just sort of an exceptional talent who can make the most of a bad situation kind of. But you won't Mm -hmm. do that with everyone. I can't look at the Redskins and and say, you know, there's a guy I'm just going to pull the trigger on early regardless of, of, of the quarterback situation there. So I think it depends on the individual. Um, you know, in Minnesota, you have a Sidney Rice, um, Percy Harvin. They seem to to click even without maybe, you know, the star. Of course, again, taking away the injury to Sidney Rice last year, um, which right. really impacted his season. But those few games at the end with Joe Webb and... and um, Tavares uh, Jackson. Yeah, Tavares Jackson. I mean, you know, he still managed to look good, so... I I think that, you know, people are still going to want a quality guy like Sidney Rice. Um, of course, it depends on where he, if he resigns with the Vikings or, or right. goes elsewhere. So. Right. Jenna, what do you think about uh, drafting skill player position, skill position guys on uh, teams that have an unstable situation? Would you uh, draft them lower than you normally would, or do you treat them the same and just think that talented players are always going to produce? Well, I think you have to draft them a little lower than you would have a year or two before. But at the same time, it's it's almost something you have to evaluate individually from player to player to team to team because there are some guys like Larry Fitzgerald that are out there that just the ceiling is so high that you get to a certain point in the draft where he's just going to be ahead above anybody who's around him. And if you can get a player with that much skill and talent for almost a steal, if he's falling and he's there when you're picking, it's hard to say no to him. So I'm not going to take him with my first-round pick or maybe even my second-round pick, depending where it is, but as the draft goes on, looking at what his ceiling's going to be like versus what's left, it's 
I, I'm not going to totally stay away from them. <laughs> I don't think it's possible to, to see them on the board and say, no, I'm just absolutely not going to do it. But I definitely would draft a little lower if possible. <laughs> it's interesting. I've had one real draft and one mock draft so far, and in the real draft, I think he went in the third round, and in the mock draft, he went in the first round. So, you know, people's opinions of him are all over the board, and I think it's going to make mm-hmm. a big difference who's his quarterback going to be. Is it going to be someone like Donovan McNabb, or is it going to be John Skelton, or, or heaven forbid, you know, Derek Anderson again, or someone? Kevin Cobb. So, makes or yeah, it makes a big difference. Or they'll bring back Matt Leinert, who I know is Jana's favorite player. So, um, let's see. Next one was um, my next idea was to avoid players likely to switch teams once the lockout ends and free agency begins, again, with the theory that the timing might be a little bit off for somebody like Carson Palmer or Kevin Cobb or a Donovan McNabb, or, you know, take that to the receivers, too, if it's Vincent Jackson or Sidney Rice. So is that a good idea, or, or would you just draft a talented player the same as you would any other year, even if he had switched teams? Ali, what do you think? You know, I I think it really depends on the player and what kind of environment he's going to um, because, you know, there are certain – I mean, if somebody gets traded to uh, – uh, if somebody signs with, you know, the New England Patriots, I'm not going to be as concerned about whether that guy is going to, you know, connect with Tom Brady. Right. I, what the heck is that? You okay, Allie? We're still here. <laughs> I I have somehow I'm hearing some sort of commercial running somewhere. Ah, it was oh. on your page actually. <laughs> oh really? I think I will. Oh, just, yeah, it ran on the blog talk. I'm just going to close the one thing. I, it's all right. Yeah, just um, mute us. <laughs> so I mean, it depends. You know, if somebody goes for a one-year deal for some money, you know, in a situation uh, where the court situation is is less stable then you know that guy's value bumps down a little bit so i do think that talent uh years in the league ability to adapt all of that kind of thing plays in but you know i wouldn't i wouldn't do that for everyone um at all you know definitely and jenna what do you think about the guys switching teams any concerns this year that you wouldn't have had in in other years uh, for me, absolutely. I think I'm staying away as much as I can from them. Um, I I think there are, for the most part, going to be more stable options, be it significantly or slightly. There's going to be somebody where you know where they're going to be playing available. And unless I'm taking Kevin Cobb late in a draft or something you know, where he's almost a sleeper pick at that point, I just... I want to let somebody else deal with that headache. I've got enough issues with injuries and trying to keep players healthy on my teams. I don't need to add turmoil of changing teams to it, so I'm staying away as much as I can. Okay, I'll give you two hypothetical examples here. (laughs) Suppose that Vincent Jackson switches teams and suppose Ronnie Brown switches teams. Do you treat any of those guys? Do you draft any of the, do you draft either of them any later than you normally would, assuming that Ron, Ronnie Brown is still the feature back wherever he goes and Vincent Jackson is still the number one option receiving wise? Ellie, what do you think? Um, I wouldn't have hesitation about grabbing Vincent Jackson. Um you know, where based on where I, you know, I rank him and who's available around him, I think provided he goes to a team where, you know, the the overall team is stable. Um, I don't know that if he went to Cleveland, I'd be pulling the trigger on Vincent Jackson, but I'm also not thinking he's going to Cleveland. Um, <laughs> uh, Ronnie Brown, I, you know, I think I don't, know what his potential is still to deliver at future. Um, I, you know, I, I think last year was a huge disappointment on many levels. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I think I might lower his, his uh, I mean, he has experience and that, that counts for something. I mean, 
he knows the game, he, he knows what's required, but I'm not quite certain. Also, given his injury history, you know, that kind of thing, I may I may take a, a pass on him. Okay, Jenna, how about you, Vincent Jackson and Ronnie Brown? Either one of those guys appeal to you if they're both the the starters at their with their new teams, assuming they switch teams? Uh, to be honest, I'd probably would try not to draft either, even if they were still guaranteed to be a starter. I'd be hoping there'd be somebody I'd like better out there. I just even in a year when there's not a lockout, I don't like drafting guys who are switching teams if I can avoid it just because there's too much uncertainty. You just never know what you're going to get. And I try to stay away if I can. <laughs> that being said, if if my options are, say, Ronnie Brown or C.J. Spiller or Noshawn Moreno, I'm going to take Ronnie Brown over either of them. But it's I wouldn't want to draft either of them. Okay. So just as a reminder here, this is Scott Sweeney, also known as the Sherpa, the fantasy football Sherpa, and I'm joined with my co-host, Jana Kimmel, and also with Ali Fontana, who is the managing editor of Bruno Boys. So we're having a good time here just talking about hypotheticals since we don't know where most of these players are going to be. But anyway, I want to um, just interject a little bit, and it's probably a very little bit of humor here, so I'm going to play something called Who Am I with Allie and Jenna. So I'm going to describe a player, and you have to tell me who that player is. So this first guy was a star-wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers about 10 years ago, but then got in a little bit of trouble because he hired a hitman to kill his pregnant girlfriend, and he's now serving a life sentence. Who am I? Oh, I know this. <laughs> it's, Not, it's on the tip a, of my tongue, but I can't get it. Do you have any idea, Allie? Wide receiver. Oh, Roy Caruth. That's Ray, right, Ray, Ray Caruth. Caruth. Ding, ding, ding. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, okay, here's another one. I was a star running back at Ohio State University and led my team to the national championship during my freshman year in 2002. However, I got in a little bit of trouble at school, entered the draft, got picked in the third round by the Denver Broncos, never played a down in the NFL, and ended up in prison for, I think it was armed robbery. Who am I? Maurice Claret. Good, good, all right. So Very good. That's very good. Okay, um, who am I? I was involved in an incident at the Super Bowl in Atlanta about 10 years ago where a couple of people wound up dead and I supposedly was at, um, trying to cover up for the for the perps. And I also, I've won a Super Bowl. I've been in numerous Pro Bowls and I'm probably right, really? known. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't even. I think I know. I think I know our theme of who am I. <laughs> I didn't even. I didn't even get to say the fun part with Ray Lewis, which was going to be. I predicted the crime rate was going to go up if the, if the football lockout <laughs> continues. So that's, that's well. That's Kenny whole... Britt is single-handedly trying to make that prediction come true. Yes, he is. So, um, <laughs> all right, one more, and then we'll we'll shelve this for a while. But. Um, Three words. Who am I? Making it rain. Adam Pacman Jones. That's right. <laughs> wow. You you must have you must have had these ahead of time. All right. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> okay. So is this game any fun? Should we keep playing? I mean, not now. We'll we'll move on to real football stuff. But we'll we'll come back to this and maybe we'll find some more uh, upstanding citizens to uh, feature on the Fourth and Inches show here. <laughs> so. Anyway, we were talking a minute ago about stability. So, Ali, which do you think are maybe the three to five most stable teams heading into the season and why? Well, um, I am... Based on offense. Based on offense. Okay, I, I do like um, the New England Patriots. Um, I think they're even with, if there are changes, they have young guys coming up, they... Made a, uh, they made the most last year without Randy Moss, um, and mm-hmm. you know Tom Brady still had a phenomenal a phenomenal season. And I think just their whole infrastructure of their 
their franchise is just amazing. I know a lot of people aren't Patriots fans, but I happen to think that, you know, they're a, a really solid club, offensive club. Um, that makes you unpatriotic if you're not a fan of theirs? <laughs> no, I, I just know a lot of people are, you know, like, are, aren't brave, like, don't, uh, dig Tom Brady or th- things that he does, whatever it is. But hair, I mean, you right. can't. Yeah, his hair. Right. You know that that bothers right. them. Um, okay. Any know. other teams that strike you as being really stable this year, where you like the guys? Um, you know, where you would you know, draft the guys? Their skill position guys on offense. Sure. I I think that um, Pittsburgh Steelers are very stable. Um, mm-hmm. I like. Uh, I like. Uh, well, I mean, they need to figure out their running game, but I still think that the Saints are are extremely stable in, you know, their it, it, overall. I mean, they have a lot of weapons and a lot of talent, and I think last year there were different things going on. Drew Brees wasn't 100%. He still had a solid year, but um, I think, you know, they have a lot of offensive firepower, and I like I like that environment a lot. And I also like the Falcons. Um, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good one too. All right. Well, we're gonna get back to okay, Jenna, why don't you take that question? Which which three to five teams do you really like this year a lot from a stability standpoint? I also I had the Falcons and the Steelers on my list as well. Uh the Steelers had a a much easier off season. All they had to do was go to Dancing with the Stars. There were no no incidents with Ben Roethlisberger or anything like that. And the Falcons, there's not a lot of turnover. All they've really done is bring in guys like Julio Jones. Um, I also had the Packers. Again, they didn't mm-hmm. lose a lot of people, which is great. And they're the defending champs, so things are all rosy over there. And the Baltimore Ravens, while yes. Ray Lewis has been coming out making some bold statements here and there, they still seem like they've got everything they need. And when he says we're only a minute away from the Super Bowl, it sounds crazy, but he's not totally far off. <laughs> no, well, maybe if they could beat the Steelers during the regular season and have the home field advantage in the playoffs, it, it might help. Uh, it might help them at, at some point. So you guys, um, I agree very much with both of your lists. The five teams I had were Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Atlanta, Baltimore. And then I had the Kansas City Chiefs on my list, too. What do you think oh of that? Oh, my God. Your Kansas City Chiefs crush is getting out of control already. <laughs> well, I mean, you look, Matt Castle, okay, he's not a superstar, but as we mentioned on another show last weekend, you know, Brad Johnson and uh, Trent Dilfer both won Super Bowls, too. And, you know, you've got Jamal Charles there, who I think is arguably the, the best back in football right now. If it's not him, you know, I think it's um, Arian Foster. So, yeah, I don't know. Is Allie, is my, is my Kansas City chief crush unreasonable, or what do you think? Well, well you should I also know they... that he predicted them to win the AFC as well last week. I did. My my well, Super Bowl picks, I picked Atlanta to beat Kansas City in the Super Bowl, but I'll, I'll get your picks in a minute. But, Ali, what do you think of the Chiefs? I do like the Chiefs. I mean, they have they have young talent. I mean, they look at just their development from last year. I think they need to get someone, you know, besides uh, Dwayne Bowe. Um, you know, they, need, they really do need a second receiver. I know they had some, I mean, they, they drafted, I think it's Dexter McCusker and right. I, I might, you know, um, I'm not sure that he's the guy, but I think that would help um, to have, you know, some more power there. I like their, their young tight end. Um, so mm-hmm. I think oh, yeah, that, and, yeah. yeah. So I think that, that, you know, you, you don't have to have all superstars. I mean, some of the, you know, the best teams, um, you know, are, are people, everybody's working together. There's a lot of, of factors um, that, you know, are going to reduce a Super Bowl champ. So, um, and but but I do like them. I think I think they're an interesting team to watch. So we'll see. Cool. So now, which, since I, I got us off on the tangent, might as well go all the way then and see, you know, who who do you guys, at this point, obviously, it's just a crapshoot because we don't know where half the players are going to be, but assuming that there is some kind of advantage to the uh, stable teams, uh, who would you pick as your Super Bowl teams and Super Bowl winner at this point? Ali, what do you think? Oh, my gosh. I don't know that I'm prepared to do that. 
Oh, I think come on. <laughs> it is hard. Definitely I, like, hard. I, I actually like the AFC, and this is horrible coming from an NFC, you know. Uh, I, I'm living in an NFC city. I'm a fan. You know, my favorite team is an NFC uh, team, but I kind of like, other than, I mean, I, I think the Packers are, you know, phenomenal, and they'll, you know, there's no reason why they can't, uh, you know, repeat um, or at least contend for, you know, repeating. And and you have, you know, the Falcons there. Uh, but I'm sort of liking um, the Patriots. I think they had a young defense last year and um, some really interesting guys coming up. I mean, I don't see why they couldn't contend again. Um, so I, I'm not... I'm not really sure, though. I think it's a little too early. I, I do think the Packers could be, uh, and, and the Falcons, I like, um, right. on the NFC so, side. Sorry. So pick one and then <laughs> to tell me who whether they beat New England or not. Uh, I'm going to go for the Packers. <laughs> okay. And I will say that New England will beat them. Oh, wow. All right. All right, so all right. that would it's it seems strange, but now with the Bruins winning the Stanley Cup, the Patriots are actually the Boston team that's gone the longest without winning a championship. They haven't won in six years. Can you imagine any other town with four with teams in all four <laughs> of the major sports complaining because the longest they one of their teams had gone without a championship was six years? Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, me yeah, neither. Must be a nice problem to have. Well, you know, yeah, since, that I would be. To, since I moved to Washington, I, the only you know decent team that that's been around, you know, have been the Caps, and they oh. can't seem to get out of you know the second round of the playoffs, kind of thing. So it's <laughs> a little depressing. No. <laughs> and they're not very popular in Madison Square Garden anymore after their coach said that they fans there don't make enough noise, but. Uh, Jenna, what do you think as far as Super Bowl predictions? I uh again, it's it's early, so I don't know uh, how committed I am to it, but I'm going to say Green Bay over Baltimore. Repeat Ick. city. Ick. <laughs> oh, and I'm saying your Chiefs are not that's, even That's a very interesting. In Pardon? Your Chiefs are not going to be a factor in this. They're not winning the AFC. They're not getting to the AFC title game. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Falcons? Do you think they have a chance in the AFC or no? You you two both Absolutely. like Green Bay. Absolutely. I love Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Well, I'm Allie all about mentioned that. Atlanta is one of her two teams, so I guess she's kind of with me on that. So Yeah, no, I, I like Atlanta a lot. I think, I think you know, again, they needed to, to kind of have, enough, you know, one or more weapons for, you know, Matt Matt Ryan. Um, you if know, Julio I, I think Jones they're – It's in. They, they're going to be really scary. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if Michael Turner stays healthy and, and Julio Jones and Jacquees Rogers are, are both what they're cracked up to be, that that could be a pretty scary offense. And maybe Matt Ryan will, will finally uh, realize his potential as, as one of the better quarterbacks in the game then, but we'll see. So now, how about some of the, the, the uh, least stable teams heading into the season? Which Which teams would you be inclined to stay away from, Allie? Well, I think the Seahawks are not very stable. I'm not looking to draft any any of the running backs. Um, we know the quarterback situation there is uh, unsettled, unresolved. So then, how to you know what the impact does that make on the receiving core, et cetera? So right. I think I think Seattle is is un, unstable and <laughs> to me. Uh, I, you know, as a Redskins in Redskins country, which is where I live now, um, nobody's super appealing. I think Chris Cooley, because he's a vet, he he uh, he always delivers, provided he's healthy. Didn't see very many touchdown opportunities. I'd probably draft other tight ends over Chris Cooley, though I do respect you know his talent and what he brings. Um, but the team itself is just a bit, uh, you know. So unsettled with the Hainsworth business, the quarterback, I mean, you name it. Um, yeah. I, I think, although I have drafted him in a mock draft, and I do like to bust on him, uh, Kenny Britt, and, and I do like I do like Chris Johnson, and if I had, 
you know, uh, uh, drafting from, you know, maybe the top four or five positions and Chris Johnson was available, I would pull the trigger on Chris Johnson. But Tennessee in general is, is challenging because we don't know the quarterback situation there. So, again, it depends on where you're drafting and what your options are. So I, I took right. Kenny Britt in the draft. So call me crazy. Well, I, I think he would look great with the, the Buccaneers because then he'd get to wear, well, I guess they don't wear orange anymore, so that ruins that joke. But anyway, <laughs> um, Jana, how about your least stable teams? Which which teams do you think that you might want to avoid their, their fantasy players this year? Uh, Washington was definitely on my list, as was Seattle, uh, the Bengals, Carolina, Arizona. Uh, my list of least stable teams, I think, was longer than my stable teams list. <laughs> There's oh. a lot of unrest. Well, I guess if we were talking about stable teams, we should have mentioned the Colts and the Broncos, no? Uh, I don't know if I'd classify the Broncos as stable. I think there's a well, lot of... Well, they're horses and stables, that's... Never mind. Well, there you okay. go. <laughs> All right. So my least stable teams, and I'm not even going to put either the Colts or the Broncos on this list, but I agree with you as far as Washington goes. Seattle is a good choice, too. Carolina, Tennessee, Arizona, Minnesota. There, there are all sorts of teams there. That, And who knows, if, if one of those teams turns into a Super Bowl team, then I'll have a lot of egg on my face. But uh, if we can make that into an omelet, then I'll be happy. So... How about three to five players who, whose fantasy value you think is currently up in the air that you know you're not really sure where to draft a guy? We used Larry Fitzgerald as a as an example before, but uh, um, Allie, why don't you give us a, a few people that uh, you would you know, maybe shy away from this year just because you don't know what to expect from them either uh, team wise or injury wise? Well, I I'm staying away from Randy Moss this year. I made a huge mistake. I mean, at the time, it seemed reasonable. I, I had him on Oh, yeah, a lot of people picked him as a first-round pick last year, coming off what he did, you know, the season before, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, even first or second round, whatever it was, but, you know, and and I think a guy of his caliber and reputation and experience level and years of producing, it's reasonable to hang on to him for a period of time. Um but you know, I think I think there's very few teams that he'll be a good fit for. And you know, I think we kind of weren't sure when he ended up in in Tennessee. Was that really just a way of preventing maybe the Jets or somebody else from grabbing him, or did he really just not fit? Was he a decoy only? Was his attitude so bad, et cetera? So for me, you know, Randy Moss, if if he's available late, and you know, as my fourth or fifth receiver, maybe, depending on where he's signed. But I think he's a guy that we just really don't know what to expect. Um, you don't think they're going to bring him back to mentor that, Kenny Brist some more? Part, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I don't I don't think he even mentored him much last year. <laughs> but, well, um, yeah, probably I, not. So, so who else would be on your uh, unstable list or well, um, up I in think the air list? Guys that you don't a, know a what Plaxico to expect. From. I, I think the Plaxico Burris is another guy that's yes, a little, yes. you know, he's intriguing. He has a ton of talent. You know, he did great red zone threat. Um, but again, where is he going to end up? How much time is he going to have to, you know, learn uh, learn a playbook, connect with the quarterback, all that kind of thing? So he's a guy that's a little um, concerning. And then you know, even a Carson Palmer. Is he is he going to mend fences? Is he going to play? Not play? I mean, you know, what what do you do with a guy like that? Even if you're looking at him as a uh, you know a second, your backup. So I think right. he's a guy you know that could have impact if he was traded, or if he conversely stayed in mended fences in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, he even with some problems last year, he was a solid fantasy quarterback. Um, right. for most of the season. So. And, and Jenna, what about um, your people up in the air? Would, would someone like Plaxico Burris be worth another shot? Uh, for me, absolutely not. Uh, maybe in another year or two. I also had Carson be Palmer on my list. 50 years old in another year or two. 
he might be more valuable than I just don't know. <laughs> um, Carson Palmer is definitely on my list. Uh, Braylon Edwards was. Uh, no Sean Moreno, who seems to have lost his job and, and any kind of confidence the front office had in him. Kevin Cobb, Donovan McNabb, both guys who are clearly not going to be playing for the Eagles and Redskins, and they may land somewhere else. We can't even know for sure if they're going to be a starter somewhere else. And once they, if they are, for Kevin Cobb, how fast can he gel with receivers? How well can he actually manage all the pressure on him all the time? It's There's just way too much drama surrounding some of these guys, and Ideally, I would not want to end up with any of them on my team, but sometimes drafts don't go the way they want you want them to. <laughs> well, let me put it this way then. Are there any, for either of you, are there any situations that, say, someone like Donovan McNabb or Kevin Cobb could land in where you would say, wow, I think they're actually you know, going to be uh, worthy of uh, worth starting as a fantasy quarterback? You know, some of the teams we rattled off before, like, Minnesota and Arizona and Cincinnati Absolutely. and all. How about you, Allie? Um, I think I don't know that they'd be my number one. You know, I drafted Kevin Cobb last year. I was trying a strategy in a league where, you know, I was waiting for a quarterback for maybe the eighth. You know, I, so I was going to take them, you know, seventh, eighth round kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I happened to start him over – uh, my other quarterback at the time, um, who might have been Matt Stafford, week one, of course, we know what happened. They were both injured. <laughs> right. Wow, <laughs> you really hit the, the, the bullseye there. Right. Fortunately, <laughs> so. I, I picked up Michael Vick from the waiver wire. So oh, that all's well that ends well. My season. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, they, I, I, I don't know that any of those guys I would I would say is my starter – Maybe in a two a start two league or something, but no. I okay. think if if Kevin Cobb ended up in Arizona and McNabb in Minnesota or Chicago, then maybe I would take a flyer on one of them. But definitely not as my number one quarterback. I, yeah, I would exactly. like to at least pretend like I'm trying to win. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll throw out a couple other names that haven't been mentioned yet. Well, actually, we talked about this first guy before, but Larry Fitzgerald is somebody that, even though he's yeah, as we said before, ridiculously talented. I think it makes a big difference who's going to be throwing him the ball this year. So that's a situation mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested in. Maurice Jones-Drew is another one. I really don't know if he's healthy or not. And you read conflicting things, and some people right. think, oh, Rashad Jennings would be, you know, he might even outperform Jones-Drew this year if Jones-Drew is still injured, although you know, supposedly his surgery has corrected everything, but where have we heard that before? And then Ahmad Bradshaw is another one that I'm kind of curious to see where he ends up. If he ends up back with the Giants, then of course he'll be in a familiar system, but if he goes somewhere else where he's the feature back and he doesn't have to share with a Brandon Jacobs or someone like that, then who knows, maybe his totals could really explode into top five uh, territory there, so we'll see. So anyway, again, just as a reminder, we've got about 10, 12 minutes left in the show, but I'm Scott Swaney, the Fantasy Football Sherpa, and this is Fourth and Inches, and you're listening to me along with co-host Jana Kimmel and our special guest tonight, Ali Fontana, who's the managing editor of Bruno Boys. So, Ali, I'm kind of curious, do you have any special strategies that you are tried and true for you when it comes to fantasy drafts? Do you like to take running backs early or do you like to take quarterbacks early? Is there anything that you do that's a little bit outside the norm? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think so. I, I know outside the norm, I think one, uh, you know, rule number one is know the scoring system that you're in and right. how positions are valued because, you know, obviously, if you're if you're playing in you know a league where uh, you're starting two quarterbacks, you definitely have to draft your first one early, or there you know you you won't find any one decent after a certain you know <laughs> after a few rounds, your you know the pickings are slim. Um, I think that uh, I, I think sometimes draft position dictates um, what I do. I, I was never big on drafting a quarterback in, you know, the first couple of rounds. I always preferred, you know, I mean, I think you can get decent value in round five. 
mm-hmm. um, in a, a lot, many, you know, in most of the time. But, um, you know, as I said, I think last year the most success that I had, you know, was, you know, we're in leagues where I had, um, you know, a quarterback that produced week in and week out, you know, um, so I I've kind of changed a little bit in my feelings, um, and uh, you know again if I don't think that I would draft Michael Vick myself this year, even though I had success with him last year, um, because I think I want to see it is it going to repeat? Um, you know he he does get you a lot of yards on the ground though, so you can't take that away from him, but. Um, I do have concerns about injury, and maybe I need to pick a backup quicker than I'd, I'd want to with another quarterback. So, Okay. How about uh, you, Jana? We've um, butted heads many times on drafting strategy, but what do you do that might be a little bit different from uh, most people draft-wise? Uh, if As long as I don't have a top four or five pick, I'd take a quarterback with my first pick almost every time. I am all about drafting a quarterback early. I draft my backup early. I like to take tight ends earlier than a lot of people. So Scott and I argue about this all the time. Obviously, Allie's on a different page than I am with that, too. And I know it's not the norm. I know people love running backs with their first picks. uh, But I'm very much a quarterback-oriented drafter. Okay. So... Allie, I, I noticed that up on the brunoboys.net site that you've got uh, mm-hmm. a few articles right now. You did you know, something, I think it was a recap of the, the draft in April. But what, what kinds of things do you guys uh, write about during the season and what can uh, our listeners find if they go to your site? Well, I mean, we're, you know, we are in the fantasy football business helping people make good decisions, inform decisions on a, a weekly basis. So we do have positional rankings, uh, sit and start, waiver wire. Uh, we do a fantasy preview, fantasy game preview. So, you know, whether it's 16 games going or, or 12, if, um, you know, or however many there are. During bye weeks, we, we do previews of the fantasy-relevant um, players in those games. Uh, we uh, do off-season team needs. Um, we did a lot of stuff this year with the NFL draft, the combine. Um, we're about to be posting some, you know, right, ranking uh, the rookies uh, content that will be coming up this week. So, you know, we, we cover all the bases. One of the things that is uh, sort of uh, special to Bruno Boys, each day we do a live chat for our our fans and others who are interested in getting feedback on, you know, the coming week's fantasy uh, games and also pickups, et cetera. And that's something that we've never missed in, I think, the five or six years that the site's been in existence, um, a chat every day, even on Christmas. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's great. And I'm sure your families must love that, too, with the uh, the Christmas Day chats. <laughs> yeah, so. especially when you're cooking, you know, it's like great. Yeah, <laughs> Making sorry, this we can't eat yet. I have to chat, right? <laughs> cool. But I think you know so. people are are committed. So anyway, thanks for asking. Oh yeah, sure. That's well. That's part of why we had you on then. So all right, one more. Who am I? I am a former Super Bowl winning quarterback who got in trouble a few years ago for trying to kiss a reporter on the sidelines during Monday oh, Night so Football. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Kissing Susie Colbert. <laughs> right, okay. And uh, here, here's another one. I've won... The number of Super Bowls that I've won exceeds the number of women I've been accused of um, assaulting by one. Who am I? Ooh. Not Roethlisberger. Yes. Yeah, Roethlisberger. Yeah. yeah. That's two, right. Two and three. Yeah. There you go. Three and two. <laughs> That's right. So, okay, I am a, I am a kicker who was arrested for public intoxication after I tried to come to the defense of a teammate who um, was being arrested for um, public urination or something like that. And I'm also I was also in the news when I trashed a locker room once when I got upset. Who am I? 
Jeff Reed? Yes. Very yeah, you good. Guys are too good. You guys are too good at this game. I'm going to have to come up with a new game for next time. So we were talking a little bit about rookies in the five minutes or so that we have left. Who are some of your top rookies to watch out for this year, Allie? Who do you like in terms of quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers? Oh, well, I think it's, you know, I, I mean, we'll all agree that Julio Jones is, um, you know, mm-hmm. a, among the rookie wide receivers has a situation that's perhaps um, most indicative of potential success. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do like I do like him. Um, I, I think, although we've said how unstable uh, Minnesota is in terms of quarterback, I think that Christian Ponder could, um, at least among the rookie quarterbacks, um, have an opportunity, provided they don't sign, uh, you know, a McNabb or someone else, to to potentially produce. He has talent around him, so we'll just have to see if it's a situational thing. He could potentially do well. Um, I like uh, Daniel uh, Thomas. I like Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. I, I like Mikel sure. I mean, they're all sort of guys that, you know, could, depending on the situation, uh, do well. But, again, it's just sort of exercising caution about where you draft them based on, you know, who else is available so that you don't um, – because these things are so uncertain. Um, so you don't mm-hmm. want to, to wait you – know, do something too soon and then – you're stuck with a guy who may not start delivering for you until later in the season, if at all. You mean like Ryan Matthews? <laughs> not that I'm bitter about that. But... Not at all. <laughs> no. So, Jana, how about you? Who who do you um, who are you looking out for this year as far as the rookies go? Uh, I definitely agree with Christian Ponder out in Minnesota. Uh, he seems to have gelled as much as he can during these lockout-induced workouts. Uh, I think Mark Ingram could be a very interesting fit in New Orleans. Obviously, he's not going to be the feature back there, but his role, I think, could could foster his growth very nicely there. I agree with Daniel Thomas. Ryan Williams is an interesting choice. The Redskins have a couple of young running backs that I like. Um, A.J. Green, I he's kind of it's going to be very hit or miss. He's either going to work out really well right away or it's going to be a real bumpy road for him. Um, and maybe even Titus Young in uh, with the Lions. It, there's a, it's there's not a ton of standout superstars like Julio Jones that you think right away are going to have an impact. But if you're in a dynasty league, there are a lot of interesting options. So one guy I'll throw out there is the um, Blake Gabbard, the the rookie quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, just because I think. I, I don't know that Jack Del Rio and the team there have a lot of confidence in um, David Garrard going forward, so I think he probably gets a chance sooner rather than later. And depending on you know whether they uh, re-sign Mike Sims Walker or not, you know, they could actually have a pretty talented receiving core there with um, with uh, Mercedes Lewis still there, and then um, the other Mike whose name last name I'm forgetting now, but. Uh, the one that caught that last second bomb last year. Oh, the, Mike the, Thomas. I mean, you, I think it's right, Mike, Mike Thomas. Thomas. Thank you for yeah. I'm glad one mm-hmm. of us has a memory then. So, and then uh, Julia, Julio Jones. I think we all agree. Now, as far as Julio Jones go, how do you compare him to someone like a Des Bryant um, from last year? Uh, just quickly, thumbs up or thumbs down, Jen? Is he going to be worth more or less than uh, Des Bryant was last year? I think he'll be worth about the same. I think they they're okay. in very similar settings. Okay, Allie. Yeah, I think I think so too. I mean, he's I I like his situation, um, provided you know he doesn't have the situation with Tony Tony Romo and and sort of their Cowboys had some other issues, but I do like I do like Julio Jones a lot. Oh, cool. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, we've just about come to the end of our hour, and I want to thank uh, Ali Fontana from BrunoBoys.net very much for managing editor for joining us and uh, making this a fun kickoff to the season. And Jen, are you still there? Yes, I am. Uh, and you can also find us all week long on FantasyFootballSherpa.com. 
You can find us on Twitter at the number 4THNInchesShow and under the email at the same handle, the number 4THNInchesShow at gmail.com. And we'll be back here again next week, Wednesday night, 9.30 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern. And I think that's about it. Thank you so much for listening. Blog Talk Willing will be back here at 9.30 next week instead of 10. But thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great week. And thank you again, Allie, for joining us. Thanks a lot, Scott and Jana. Bye.